What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We got Jays, Jumpers, Jaron Jackson Jr., John Rance, Joe Johnson's, Ja Raps. We got Jays. We got him for days. Josh, how you doing? I'd like to defend the Detroit Lions for a minute, if you're okay with that. That's fine with me. I'm getting a little frustrated. This is not because I have any sort of strong emotional attachment to the Lions, as you well know. Jim Caldwell's first season, they went 11-5 and and lost partially due to a penalty. I believe it was a missed pass interference in Dallas that was so bad the league office actually called to apologize to him. Or Matthew Stafford would have won a playoff game. Uh In three of Jim Caldwell's four seasons before he inexplicably got fired to be replaced by Matt Patricia, they won at least nine games. There was also a 10 and six season under Jim Schwartz in there. This idea that Matthew Stafford has never played on a good football team before that apparently is now the narrative and he's going to, he's a hall of borderline hall of famer because he now has a Super Bowl and of course, three more game winning drives. As somebody who lived in the Detroit area, surrounded by Lions fans, when Matthew Stafford was there for his entire career, I can tell you with pretty good confidence, he is more or less the exact same player he was in Detroit. Of course, when you're surrounded by not just Cooper Cup, because he had Calvin Johnson for most of his time in Detroit, but of course, OBJ, all of the weapons they have, and you know one of the best defensive players of all time and the best defensive back in the league, and other good defensive linemen and a good offensive line. All of a sudden, that's the difference between sometimes making the playoffs and being an average team in good years to being a legit Super Bowl contender and a quarterback capable. He was always a quarterback capable of winning a Super Bowl. A decent amount of quarterbacks are capable if they get everything around them. And I'm not trying to denigrate him. He made some really key plays, and he's a very good quarterback. I've always thought he's very good. He also threw two interceptions and didn't look great for part of that game, which is now forgotten because of the drive at the end. I'm just this idea that all of a sudden everything was the Lions fault and it's all perfect now because he's anywhere else except for Detroit. I have a real issue with that. I need to get that off my chest. Thank you. I mean, with all due respect, it took him one try to win a Super Bowl after he left Detroit. So it's actually really hard to argue that it's not perfect when he's not in Detroit because he's batting a thousand in the Super Bowl. Yeah. the Lions were not the ideal landing spot, right? I, I fully acknowledge the organization is not entirely competent. It was it was a mess, but they were, there was a stretch in there where they were good, despite everything the Lions have going against them for being the Lions. That's all I'm, I believe he could have done it in other places too. Well, it's, it's the, we, the quarterback position is, yes, probably the most important position in professional sports in terms of if your quarterback's not good. Like, that's why, with all due respect to Joe Flacco, the Ravens winning the Super Bowl with Joe Flacco is stunning and why nobody ever wins a Super Bowl with a average quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if they do, like the Eagles, it's, it's because Nick Foles played right. better for that two and a half months after Carson Wentz went down or month and a half, whatever it was, than he ever has in the rest of his career ever. Or or it's an all-time great defense, like that Broncos defense or the Ravens defense. Don't ever put Peyton Manning in that conversation ever again. Don't ever. I'm I'm saying he was helped by an all-time great defense. Right. But don't ever come at me. I don't care if Peyton was average that season or not. It's Peyton Freak. He does. He does have pedigree. You're not. Yes. He, he's. Yes. He's. He earned what he did for the first 15 years of his sure. career. Sure. Earns the respect to Navi, but not that you necessarily were. But the fact that people will actually say that he was bad that year, like you could have put anybody else with the same numbers that was average that year, and they they don't win the Super Bowl. They just don't. But the point. It's almost like we forget that where I was going is that it's like you actually need a complete football team to mm-hmm. win a Super Bowl. Yep. With all due re- – Tom Brady, yes, the best player to ever throw a football, but also had Bill Belichick. Also, like if you go back through his Super Bowls, there are a lot of Super Bowls that were not pretty, mm-hmm. like the actual game. Yep. 
Adam and Terry, the defense. Right. And I'm not here to, I'm also not here to dog Tom Brady. Tom Brady's the best football player ever. But it's It's almost like Matthew Stafford went to the team that equipped itself best to win the Super Bowl this year. Right. Exactly. That's all I'm trying to say. I feel like we're just going, all of a sudden we need to make all these narratives and change the history when it's, I don't, I don't think it's too complicated. He's very good. He can't win a Super Bowl by himself. He's probably not elite. But you put him with all that talent, and sure, they're capable of winning a Super Bowl. Yeah. But the the Lions also get some flack for oh. having a quarterback that we just learned was capable yes. of being the quarterback to win a Super Bowl and them not getting anywhere Absolutely. Else. Yes, they didn't put a team around him capable of winning a Super Bowl. There's no doubt about that. Yes. So they do get flack for that. Yes. But there are plenty of franchises in the NFL that have a quarterback capable of winning a Super Bowl every year and capable of winning a Super Bowl that they have under contract for seven years and they never quite find a way to put a team together. So the the Lions aren't alone, but it's yes. also a little bit uh, – it, it's probably a, a pretty tough weekend for – I saw somebody tweet that Eminem is the closest the Lions are ever going to get to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Eminem and their former quarterback being right. the quarterback of the Super Bowl winning team. Yeah. Like that's that's kind of a low blow. But – to get yeah, that it was. I, Congratulations I, to the Rams, though. Cool story. I I can't wait for the next team to sell all of their future to try to <laughs> win a Super Bowl and it not work. Right, because if they could do it, we could do it too. Right, in a year where like I'm still not convinced there was a single good football team this year. <laughs> I'm still not convinced. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't a particularly great game, and it ended no. nice. There was a cool yeah. drive at the end. But there, the, the first hour of the second half after the T. Higgins play, on the well, that, that was the first play of the second half, right? One, first yeah, or second? first or second, yeah, yeah. After that, I mean, yeah, there, there was an hour there where it wasn't exactly, it wasn't exactly pretty, and Bengals fans are probably kicking themselves because they probably should have won the football game, right? And if it wasn't the Bengals, the other team very well may have won, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, Anyways, Super Bowl's over. All-Star weekend this weekend, I think, like a week away. I believe that's correct. And college basketball a month away from selection. Sunday, I guess a little less than a month away from selection Sunday. Um, so we're going to take a stab at our top 16 teams Uh at this point, you know, grouped into the categories of seeds. So nice of the NCAA tournament to provide us with categories like that um, as seed lines. But before we get there, we'll do winners and losers as we do most most Mondays, all Mondays, uh, through the beginning of the NCAA tournament. Mr. Doring, who is your winner this week? Didn't have to think too hard. How about Rutgers? They follow up the 20-point win, 21-point win over Michigan State with a win against Ohio State, a win at Wisconsin. They are now 15-9, and 9-5 and five in the Big Ten. Their reward for a season-defining week, the rest of their schedule is as follows. Mm. Versus Illinois at Purdue at Michigan versus Wisconsin at Indiana versus Penn State. So that means they should win, you know, probably all of one of those games on paper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And yep. clearly they they have not gotten to the point where the work is done NCAA tournament wise. But you talk about putting yourself in a good position and changing the complexion of your season. That three game stretch has certainly done it. The question is what happens next? Yep. Upon upon uh, more uh, upon diving into into this, it was pretty clear that Rutgers had the best week in in the country, um, and the Big Ten is just absolutely ridiculous, like it is, like it is every year. Like that's typically for any other normal conference, that's the the brute of your of your right. schedule. It's like, all right, we beat we beat three top ten te- top sixteen teams last week. We beat two, one of them by 20. We escaped another one of them. Then we beat the other one by eight on the road. But as a result, we get to play three more ranked teams in the span of four games. 
And the game is in between February is the team 5th. that just the t- and the game in between is the game that a top five team just got blown out. Right. <laughs> it's February fifteenth by February twenty sixth. So in the next eleven days, they'll play those four games. Jeez, this is why you can't lose have a three game losing streak to DePaul, Lafayette, and UMass in non conference. You can't be doing that. Yeah. Because other, other than other than this like gap where they forgot how to play basketball, and frankly, a gap that they lost those three games by a total of seven points. I mean, we're we're, we're not all that far away from talking about Rutgers as like a, a as being a top twenty-five. They have losses to Maryland and 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 Penn State too. Yeah, they're one of those. And Northwestern. Incredible wins, terrible losses. Yeah. Gosh. What are we doing? Anyways, yeah, big time week for the Scarlet Knights. And a big time week in part away from the rack. It's not Mm -hmm. like they just happened to get all three of them at home. Now, two of them were at home. But, um, you know, there are times that Ron Harper is playing like, just you know there are times if you catch Ron Hopper on the right now it's like oh yeah that's the best player in the country right that's the best player <laughs> yeah, in the big first, 10 right first team all American right first team, that's all, first big team 10, all American, right. American yeah right and but um but shouts to Rutgers it's just the rack just an impossible place to play all right who's your loser the other team I wanted to mention as a winner falls into the flip side of this I didn't want to make both of them my winner and loser so my loser is Houston uh, we discussed the SMU loss. They then proceeded to lose by 10 at home to Memphis. That's snapping a 37-game home winning streak. They never mm-hmm. lose at home. Yep. And so now they're not even winning the AAC because SMU has the t- – now they're tied, but SMU obviously has the head-to-head win. Now they're playing again. This is not a catastrophe. Houston could very easily win this conference outright still simply by taking care of business. Uh-huh. But as we discussed after the SMU game, and we're going to discuss in our, our bracketology here, they just don't have quality wins. They have zero quality wins. <laughs> exactly. How in problem. the world are they fifth in the net with zero yeah, quad one wins? That you one know how, baffles me. Trivia time. How far down do I have to go to get to zero quad one oh. wins? After it's actually Rutgers, not as far as after, I, after Houston. After Houston. It's got to be one of those mid-majors in the 20s. Nope. No. It's farther than that. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, I lied. It's 15th, 19th. Iowa. Oh, yes. Is, yes. is 19th, 0 and 5 in yeah. quad one. But now, also, here- like, I can go all the way to let's, – let's play that game. That's a fun game. What's the lowest team I can find that has a quad one? Oh, jeez. All right, I'm at 154, and the College of Charleston has a quad one win. I'm at 173. ETSU has a quad one win. I'm at 202. Portland has a quad one win. I'm at 204. Texas Southern has a quad one win. Shout out to the SWAC. I'm at 210. Loyola Marymount, maybe? LMU? Yeah, that would make sense. Yes, Loyola Marymount. They are at where'd it go? 210. They have a quad one win. UC Davis at 214 is 1-0 oh in quad one. Absolutely. <laughs> just now they're seven and five in quad four, but hey. <laughs> Eastern Washington is one and one in quad one. And that's 216. Okay, hold on to that. UMass Lowell at 240 has a quad one win. This is we're just stomping all over Houston right now. I apologize. What did I say? 240. I think that might be. I think that might. Nope. Austin P 276 has a quad one win. Lipscomb 281 has a quad one win. CSU Bakersfield at 285 has a quad one win. 285. I think that might be our winner, winner chicken. 285. Okay. Hold on. I'm, I'm scrolling. Might as well get all to the way to the bottom. I'm oh, yeah, I got to finish it. Yeah. 
Shouts to Ooey Pooey, by the way. 0-22. They're 0-16 in quad four. It's okay. There are brighter days ahead for for the Ooey Pooey Jaguars. Um, 285. 285. Anyways. The other other part of this, they turned the ball over. you, You mean you're telling me that you didn't just want me to tell you the lowest ranking quad one win? That's not where you were wanting me to go there? Okay, fine. This was this Memphis game might have been the worst game I have ever watched. For the simple reason that, okay, if teams just aren't making shots because it's elite defense, I personally, of course, don't have as much of an issue with that. Right. There are right, people will point to, for example, the Yukon Butler national championship game is the worst game they've ever seen. I will take the game that had 38 turnovers, 19 by each team. Now, Memphis, of course, is as bad at turning the is good at turning the ball over as any team in the country. So that's not shocking. And it's not like the defense was bad, but they just these Houston turnovers were so baffling. So not only did they lose at home for the first time in forever, but they just looked awful doing it. On on the back of another loss, and right, they just don't have the wins to make up for this. And so come seed lines and selection Sunday. They're going to pay a price for this, regardless of how the season ends up, just because they had two quality opportunities here and they didn't get either of them. Houston was my loser as well. Um, I will throw another team into the pot for the sake of diversity here, um, just so that we don't have both the same winner and the same loser, even though losing to SMU and Memphis. Okay, you know, this might be, like, if Duke doesn't win the ACC, that's embarrassing. If Houston doesn't win the AAC, that might be even more embarrassing. Now, now, the injuries, they have something to point to. Sure, but they're still... Yes. I mean, we could do we could play that game too. How far down do you have to go to get to the next AAC team in the net rankings? Here we go. Memphis is the next best a- a- net rankings team. Anyways, um, I'm going to throw Marquette in there just because yeah. they kind of had a week that. Listen, they lost on the road to UConn, and then they lost on the road to Butler. The on the road to UConn is of sort, of course, one that you're not going to. Like, okay, that's that's fine. Um, on the road at Butler, now I will. I'm certainly in the camp of healthy Butler is a better team than the record that they have next to their name. But it's still a team that coming into that game was four and nine in conference, eleven and thirteen on the season. And when you're trying to keep pace with even like villain, you know, UConn who's eight and five. Now the thing that Marquette has going for them is that the rest of their schedule reads as follows Georgetown, Creighton, Butler, DePaul, St. John's. That's the, that's the rest of their schedule. So in those five games, they should go at least four and one should, and you should end up with at least 12. Are they missing a game? What game did they get postponed? St. John's. Have they played St. John's once? Do they still need to play St. John's twice? Are we not playing them twice? See full schedule. Anyways, because anyway, that only gets me to 19 games. Anyways, the point being that this week Marquette lost any any hope of competing for the – and now it was probably a stretch anyways coming into this week because Providence, Villanova, and those two teams play tonight in a top-10 matchup. And if, and if Villanova wins that game, then nobody's getting anywhere. You know, Providence is either going to lock it up completely or it's either going to be Providence or Villanova, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. that's where we are at this point. But the point being is that Marquette has backed up their really nice win streak with with three losses in four games. Um, And it's just hard to keep winning games at the conference level like that. Marquette is, is seeing that, especially when you have those three games on the road. So not a huge deal, but still... Losing at Butler is going to leave a bad taste in your mouth, even if it is inside Hinkle Pitlass. It takes them out of that sort of three-seed conversation of you know, just how high can they climb. Right. The answer is high, but not that high. Right. <laughs> They're a very good team who's right top twenty, you know, borderline top twenty-five, absolutely in the running for a top six seed. Probably is going to get one if they do what they're supposed to. But 
yeah, it was kind of okay. So what what happens after Marquette puts together this run? Can they keep it up? And teams have bad weeks. Nothing to be super concerned about. It certainly, in terms of winners and losers in the NCAA tournament outlook, it certainly hurts them. There's no doubt about that. Agreed. That's winners and losers. We'll do that. I guess only like three three more times. Something like, Something that. like that. Before the NCAA tournament, when winners and losers becomes very very obvious, but. Let's move on. Top 16 seeds. Okay. Nicely categorized into groups of four because that's how many teams are on a seed line. Josh, in case you were curious. And that, that has to do with how many regions there are in the NCAA tournament, in case you weren't sure. There's four regions, so every region has a one through 16 seed. So, therefore, there are four one seeds, Is that four how that two works? seeds, so on and so forth. So now that we've given, now that I've given you a very, you know, honestly, if if you needed that, um, we might need to stop the, you know, we know we might need to press the record button again to, to turn the microphones off. If you actually needed that refresher before we do this, because I don't think that our understanding is at the level that it needs to be for this conversation. If we needed a refresher there, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. So I'm gonna proceed with the assumption that you didn't actually need that. Okay. 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 Fantastic. Um, top 16 seeds, we're going to go in groups of, we're going to go by seed line, um, and talk our way through it that way. Um, I, I, I am not a bracketologist. Josh is not a bracketologist. So I, you're, you're welcome to criticize in the context of people who do bracketology every single day for three months, but this is not what we do but we've done our best. Okay. And there's also some of this, like, yeah, this is where I would put them, not necessarily where the NCAA tournament would put them. So keep that in mind that we are not trying to correctly predict the top 16 teams on each seed line. Keep that in mind. That's not what we're trying to do here. So with that being said, would you like to start with the four seeds or the one seeds? I feel like we should start with one seeds. That's fine. Because that's do you want to start with boring or less boring? Yeah, let's start with the let's start with the ones. Okay. I, All right. Because the fours were the most stressful part of this for me. Okay. All right. One seeds. Hit me. In order. Auburn, Gonzaga, Arizona, Kentucky. Didn't have to think too hard about it. Okay. I've got four different teams. But I don't have any of those teams on my one. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm kidding. Um, I I did go with Gonzaga one though. So you followed the net, I see. Um, I followed the net, I followed Ken Palm, I followed all of <laughs> all, the other all because because Ken Palm still doesn't, I mean relative to how many teams there are in the country ken palm is fine with auburn they're fifth at ken yep. palm but like the te- a team that is 23 and 2 and the only two losses they have are a close one to yukon and on the road at arkansas who is a top 25 ken palm team at this point um but no i went with because in terms of metrics gonzaga has the better offense and the better defense according to metrics and um and there's there's really no way to say okay, like I would like it's really really hard to put those two teams into comparisons. Um, Gonzaga is six and two in quad one. Auburn seven and two. Yep, more quad one wins. By one. By one. They have no other win, no other losses outside of quad one, but like Gonzaga's quad one losses are to Duke and Alabama. Auburn's quad one losses are to UConn on a neutral and on the road at Arkansas. So we can have a conversation there about which ones are more important or I guess more forgivable, but um, I did, I, I'm, I'm going to stick with the, with this. I went with the Zags. It's very close. Um, it's very close. Very close. To me, um, this was, for me, this was pretty simple. If anybody had actually clearly outplayed Auburn this season, then I would probably lean toward Gonzaga because, yes, the metrics all love Gonzaga and they don't like Auburn. 
But the reality is they still haven't lost in regulation. One of their losses came without their starting point guard. They still have more quad one wins. Gonzaga has played 12 quad four games. Now, of course, they've won all of them in convincing fashion. And there's still the fact that Auburn plays in the SEC and Gonzaga plays in the WCC, which is still a good conference this year. It just hasn't, they haven't gotten tested the way I hoped, although, I mean, they've played your BYUs, your St. Mary's, and just dispatched them. So there's certainly, you can go either way. This is very close. And like you said, it's hard to compare these teams because their resumes are so different. Mm. I'm just going to, until somebody actually, right? You, these two losses for Gonzaga, you can say the other team played better. At least one of them. Now, played better meant Alabama hit a bunch of threes. But on that day, they were the better team. You can say that Arkansas was the better team in the offer for, for that game. And I think that's probably fair. I don't think Auburn played particularly well, but they still took it to overtime without their starting point. That and I, I'm going to keep coming back to this, that they haven't had a truly bad performance yet. Well, or the, the worst performance they had probably is one of the close games against a bad SEC team. They won on the road, right? It's not the Arkansas. Game. Right. The Gonzaga has the edge in terms of, the quality of their losses, but all four of them are completely understandable between these two teams. So I'm going to go with the team that still hasn't lost in regulation. That's fine. Your... The, the, I have the same other four teams. Uh, I have the other two teams. I have those two teams switch and then Arizona at three, Kentucky at four. Okay. Yeah. I didn't have to, I mean, Arizona second in the net. They lost to Tennessee and UCLA. Kentucky is five and four in quad one. Arizona six and two. Mm-hmm. Both teams are undefeated at home, which is something I care a lot about because that implies you have quality losses because they're on the road, uh-huh. in theory, or a neutral court. Certainly, it, it helps your case in terms of the quality of your losses. So, uh-huh. uh, and of course, Kentucky also has the fact that basically Severe Wheeler didn't play against LSU in that loss. So, there's there's that part of the complexion too but to, to me these are very clearly the four best teams in the country at this moment in time based on performance and resume i would probably agree with that the two seeds in order please kansas baylor okay. purdue duke this is so boring this is so boring i do have two of those teams switched though which two uh baylor and kansas Interesting. Baylor well, nine and three in quad yeah. one to Kansas's eight and three in quad one. Um, Those are the two best teams in terms of quality wins this season. Um, and I also, and, and I don't completely, I also think Auburn's resume is even slightly more better if not Auburn, sorry, Baylor. Um, I, I think that if they're healthy, they look better than they have the last couple weeks. I mean, and they, they're now coming off a Texas win that they blew them out of the water. Um, so I, I think part of this is I just think that Baylor, when they're healthy, is the better team. Um at this point still and when they're healthy i think that that is something that is backed up by their performances when they have been healthy and then i can just say oh yeah they have one more quad one quad one when they have the same number of losses outside of quad one kansas also has a quad two loss along with baylor um but uh there's my rationale and it's also between those two teams. Baylor might be the most difficult team to evaluate also because it's not like their guys have necessarily missed games. I mean, they have, right? But it's not, oh, okay, if they're playing, they're healthy. They've had some lingering injuries, specifically James Akinjo. Right. So it begs the question of, right, if they were truly healthy, how close are they to the team that we thought they might be when they were just destroying everybody and were the number one team in the country? Right. They've got the quad, the nine quad one wins. Ultimately, the reason I put Kansas ahead is Ken Palm's got Kansas' schedule as the third most difficult in the country. And they've got eight quad one wins. 
and they have signature wins, which is my my thing with Baylor. Their only bad loss is Oklahoma State, which is remarkable considering what they've gone through. Just you look at the, I mean, we're talking about Michigan State, Villanova, and Texas, right? They're beating the teams they're supposed to, but when they got their shot at Kansas, their shot at Texas Tech, those games they have not performed particularly well in and at least have not won. It can't just wipe the floor with So that's where I, I gave a slight edge to the Jayhawks, but I'm with you that this is, it might be a different conversation in terms of where, how we view Baylor, if they would, if they had been healthy, because they very well may end up being, they went very well, may have been more in the one seed conversation. But this is this is where they are. They played a bunch of good teams. They just haven't really beat any great ones. That's fair. That's fair. And you can also just go, you're right. These two teams played and one team beat the <laughs> other by 24. That's hard to that's hard to argue. Um, but I I will still I still have I think I, I would still give the slight edge to the Bears when you combine health when they are truly healthy and when because I've never been completely impressed by Kansas this year, yes. a, apart from maybe the very beginning of the season. And for like a good two months, I was impressed by Baylor. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I will, you know, I'm not the committee that has to hold itself to, but like the eye test also matters. And even I suppose when they beat Baylor by 24, that that's impressive, but now I'm going in circles. But other than that, uh, so I have Baylor one, Kansas two in terms of two seeds, and then Purdue and Duke three and four. I can't tell you how badly I wanted to drop both those teams down to the three line. Yeah, but like when you look at it. I couldn't do it. Nope. And we'll, we'll get to the three seeds and my passionate feelings about two of these teams I have at the top of the three line. But yeah, you, I mean, you can't ignore what Purdue did at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. right? They did climb to number one and were just destroying everybody they played. They've got seven quad one wins, ninth in the net. Their only home losses to Wisconsin, which looks much, much better than it did at the moment. And they've played, obviously, between the Big Ten and some of the games they scheduled in non-conference, an incredibly difficult schedule. Their end also had, you know, two wins over Illinois, those kind of things. Duke, <laughs> those wins over Gonzaga and Kentucky are absolutely carrying them right now. Yes, they are. <laughs> they have four losses. Three of them are outside quad one. One of them's a quad three. Still 11th in the net. And I will, I'm always the person that puts less value on signature wins. But those two that just keep getting better and better, which is, I would almost go so far as to argue it's simply lucky on Duke's part that they got a bolt mm. early and then ended up being potentially the best two teams in the country, at least two of the top four. Yeah. But we, yep. we've been over Duke's inconsistencies. One or two times. But yeah, those those two seeds, the one and two seeds, relatively easy in terms of the eight teams that I ended up with on that on those two lines. But it gets more fun when we get to three and four. Give me your three seeds, please, in order, because I don't need you to try and confuse me with a order that would be described as random. <laughs> Illinois, Providence, Wisconsin, Villanova. Okay. Who do you have? I have, drum roll please. You said you you said you had Illinois, Providence, Wisconsin, and Villanova. Yes. I have Illinois, Providence, Villanova, and Texas Tech. Okay. Okay. I'm just very happy you had the first two right. What, Illinois and Providence? Yes. Now, if we were doing this podcast in 24 hours and Villanova had just beat Providence at the dunk, then I'd probably put Villanova ahead of them. 
because sure. then you'd be then you'd be six and five in quad one to four and two for Providence in quad mm-hmm. one. And the and you have the head to head. And the metrics like you way more. Because Providence, you know, Villanova is a top 10 Ken Palm team. Providence is, I mean, we've talked about this. This is just yeah. incorrect, but they're still 50th, 47th. And the net doesn't love them either no. for some reason. And that that's a little confusing because yeah. right, you 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 go down the list and you're like, one of these is not does not belong. Right. Yeah, with the other teams. Like Loyola Chicago at two and two in quad one, two and three in quad two, and then no quad three and four losses is higher in the net than Providence right now, who is four and one, six yeah. and one, five and oh, six now. Yeah. And these two teams, to me, have the most potential to move up a seed line by the end of this thing. Right. We're doing this on the premise of if the NCAA tournament started this week and we're making the future. Because if Illinois wins the Big Ten outright, which they are in position to do, and then make it to the semifinals final of the Big Ten tournament, assuming Purdue doesn't then win the tournament and beat Illinois for a third time or something like that. To me, they have to be a two seed. They have now, now part of the issue here is they have two quad two losses. One of them was Cincinnati, which they were just in a strange place. <laughs> I can't explain that one. The other one is Maryland, which of course Kofi Coburn didn't play. So I, I'm not going to punish them too much for that. Their other four losses are Purdue twice, Marquette without Kofi Coburn and Arizona. I don't know what else you want from this team. <laughs> I think that's a fair question, Josh. Right, we got to see how it ends because Purdue had built up so much stock. What they did, right, right, the gap between Purdue and Illinois at the start of the Big Ten was so large mm-hmm. because of how non-conference went. The Illinois had so much work to do to close that gap, and they're not quite there yet. If we're talking about today, which is why right. I have Purdue ahead of them still. But the more they keep winning. And the more that these other Big Ten teams keep losing games they shouldn't lose, the more that they have to end up as a two-seed. Because you, at some point, you have to just sort of throw the Maryland loss out the window because Coburn wasn't there. That, and like I said, those are their only two losses that are in any way, shape, or form remotely bad. Mm-hmm. And they very nearly beat Purdue at home. That was a coin flip game Purdue ended up coming out on top. And then you get to Providence. They got smoked by Purdue at Mackey. Yes, now, right. Purdue ran him out of the building the second time. Yes. And then you get to Providence. Yeah. I'm at a loss for words as to how the net has them third. If they win the Big East outright with, let's say they split with Villanova and they make it to the final of the Big East tournament. If Duke doesn't take care of business, they've got to be in the two conversation as well. Especially if Duke, if Duke can lose to Virginia and still be a two seed, why can't Providence lose to Virginia and still be a two seed? Because by the way, that's their other loss. On one of those days where Virginia played Virginia defense and it was just ugly. It happens. Because right, they have two losses. And by the way, they beat a healthy Texas Tech who you have as a three seed. What what more do you want from these guys? Right. These two teams are the two that confuse me that I will continue to go to bat. So I'm glad you feel the same way, at least to a certain extent. I'm clearly not as passionate about (laughs) them being the first and second three seeds as you are, but this is especially because like, if you look at the metrics, all of them, Providence shouldn't be one of the 16 top, we shouldn't mention Providence in this podcast. And I just don't understand why. And neither do I. Yeah. Right. Right. Without paying attention to the body of work. Right. Because it is, it is a bit head scratching how the body of work gets to where they are. And it's not like I'm and, suggesting they should be a one seed, <laughs> you know, they're eighth at- even though, even though I think they're closer to a one seed yeah. than where the metrics actually have them. Yeah. 100%. 
they're up to eighth in the AP poll. If they beat Villanova, they'll probably be pushing the top five. Right. Yeah. The only thing I can think, the only thing I can come up with is if you go through their schedule, they beat Fairfield by seven. They beat New Hampshire by nine. They beat Northwestern by five. You know, they beat Central Connecticut. That's 15. They beat, they, they have a lot of, yeah. like, like we're, pro, we're like a, a total of seven baskets away from them being 18 and five rather than, and 18 and five again, and with losses to teams that they probably shouldn't have. Like, and especially in Big East play, like when you go down, they beat St. John's by 10 at home they beat georgetown by only eight at home they beat butler by only seven at home they beat xavier by only three they beat marquette by two they beat st john's by four and then they needed overtime to beat DePaul. so that's the if i'm looking for things and it's clear that style points matter yeah that there hasn't been like to their credit they've won all of those games this isn't me saying ah you don't you shouldn't really count those games that's not what i'm saying but when you go through their schedule, that's the only thing I can think of to point to. Yeah. And that uh, is they just have very few style points and yeah. their losses. Like they got blown out of the building, both of their losses. Like losing to Virginia by 18 is like losing to anybody else by 40. Right. Especially right. this year's Virginia team, who is this year's Virginia team is this year's Virginia team is sub 75 in both offensive and defensive efficiency anyways, but they still play good defense. Um, and right. Losing the market by 32 is really tough for your style points, but that's the only thing, the, the only thing I think of, but that, that in my head, you know, drops them from somewhere in the 15 range to somewhere in the 25 range rather right. than them not even touching the top, even sniffing the top 30. Right. That's absolutely what it is. Is that there's nothing pretty about what they do. I just. Or oh, sorry, style, sniffing the top twenty-five. Sorry. Yeah, to me, style points should just never have that much value. What is the point of keeping track and wins and losses if the question that is really how many? What's your point differential? That's a fun game to play. Who would be the number one team in the country? I guess it would, it would be Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Yeah. Just why the metrics love Gonzaga? Yeah. To me, there is absolutely something about showing up right up. They had a couple nights they didn't show up, but of actually just playing winning basketball as opposed to you have an Alabama situation where they look great some nights and then some nights they aren't competitive at all. I don't want that team. I want the team that shows up every night and grinds out wins in the Big East. You're absolutely right. I just, I find it appalling that style points had that much of an impact. Yet they do. Okay, let's move on. Four seeds. So I have Texas Tech as my first four seed instead of my final three. So I flipped. And I have Wisconsin. And I have Wisconsin as my first four seed. Wisconsin two spots higher than you. Two spots or one spot? Two. I have Wisconsin, Villanova, Texas Tech. Okay. Okay, gotcha. So my fours are Texas Tech, Tennessee, UCLA, and Houston. I have those other three. My fours are Wisconsin, UCLA, Tennessee, Houston. My rationale for Wisconsin is primarily based on just quality wins and the fact they play in the Big Ten. They've got seven quad one wins. I don't really care. They lost at home to Rutgers. Rutgers is good. That just doesn't phase me too much, as opposed to Villanova, who's five and five in quad one games. The thing Villanova does have going for them, though, they have played 11. You, you mean other than the fact that they have Villanova taped across yes, the chest? Yes. <laughs> they have played 11 road games. Got to give them credit. And so I basically just gave them the tie goes to the team with the better schedule situation over Texas Tech. Texas Tech is five and six in quad one games. In Heading into at the you know at the beginning of Big Twelve play, they were looking great because their non-conference losses were to Providence and Gonzaga. 
Then they've they've had three losses to average Big 12 teams on the road. Now they're undefeated at home. They're doing what they're supposed to. Average Big 12 teams are nothing to sneeze at, but they've already lost to three of them. It's not like uh-huh. these losses are coming to Baylor and Kansas. Yep. That's why I knocked them a little bit and had those teams ordered the way I did. Yeah, I have I had Villanova ahead of I it, what you just pointed to um, in terms of Wisconsin. And also like when I look and one team is in the top 10 and one team is outside the top 35 in terms of some of the other metrics, right? I mean, Villanova's sixth in the net to Wisconsin's 23rd in the net. Um, So some of those things, those things matter here as well, but I would, but yeah, I'm also hmm. – I, I, and maybe it's just like a, I'm still and, – and they have good wins without Johnny Davis playing well, and maybe it just shouldn't matter because Johnny Davis plays well pretty much every time he steps on the floor. But I leaned on some of the metrics there and – also, like if you ask me, if you put Villanova and Houston and Wisconsin on the floor together in a neutral site, I'd probably pick Villanova. Um, and they're my rankings, so that matters to me. <laughs> Absolutely. Fair. But, but I have Wisconsin as my my top four seed, and UCLA, Tennessee, Houston following. There's a, there's a pretty clear top 13 i feel like of right we can debate the order of them but it going through the top four the top four seed there are 13 teams you're picking from basically and then it gets into mm. what in the world do you do from there yep so yep. i i went with the Tennessee's going to be that team that the resume wise i love because i just point to them and go they have no bad losses Mm-hmm. All, all six of their losses are quad one. Yep. And, and that will just always be a big thing for me. And all four of their tennis, all four of their losses after Christmas are on the road. True yeah, road right, games. right. They just, they win the games they're supposed to, and they don't win the ones they're not supposed to. I, I love the predictability of that team. And they also mm-hmm. have a win over Arizona. Now that win over Arizona is all they've got more or less at this point you have but to pick a, a win to be all you got it might as well be that one right, right. and of course <laughs> they're going to get their shot at kentucky again there are still certainly you go through the, the sec tournament they have all kinds of opportunities to get a, a couple cracks at auburn kentucky the other top teams in the sec yeah. they still have kentucky arkansas twice and auburn in the regular yeah. season right there are absolutely opportunities here to, for them to be one of those sneaky teams that all of a sudden you look up as much as we've dogged them because of their offense and you go, well, that resume is pretty impressive. They've got no bad losses. They got a couple really good wins. They put together a solid SEC schedule, finished fourth or something in the conference. Mm-hmm. And well, you know, that's pretty deserving of a three seed kind of thing. We'll yep. see how it, how it plays out. But I did their 10th in the net for those reasons. I just sort of found that because we, I've been disappointed in them this season. They're still having a fine year. <laughs> oh yeah, but they very quickly went from in the conversation to win, and they're still nine and three in the SEC. But from but there's clearly a separation between Tennessee, Kentucky, and Auburn, and the rest yeah. of the SEC. And that's just because right, you have nights where right you get absolutely blown out by Kentucky. Part of that is because Kentucky's better than you. The other part of that is that Kentucky had literally the best night offensively in the history of Kentucky basketball. That's unfortunate. I mean, it's laugh out loud funny. I mean, I'm looking at that box score on Kim yeah. 27 of 38 from two-point range, 11 of 18 from three-point range, 20 of 21 from the free throw line. And that's with Oscar Shibway not having – more doubled uh, not having a double double (laughs) 
Yeah. I mean, that's just absolute There's bullshit. Anyways, do about that. I digress. I digress, but you're right. Um, it's one of those like, man, Tennessee is so uninspiring. When you look at it, they're uninspiring against the teams that you're not really expecting them to be inspiring against. Right. And they, and they, albeit sometimes uninspiringly, but they beat the teams that they're supposed to. Yep. So, oh. and, and Houston is last because I feel like Houston still needs to be there, but you're 16th out of my 16 teams if you don't have a quad one. Yeah, I don't I care what gonna, else you've done. I was going to ask you how close you came to dropping UCLA and Houston out entirely. Um, I didn't come close to dropping UCLA out. I mean, your 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 UCLA losses are right. The Arizona State and triple overtime thing is tough, but when you take that out, it's USC or Arizona, both on the road, at home to Oregon and Gonzaga. So we're still talking about a team that is you know they're three and three five and two in quad two it's not great but it's also i still wouldn't apart from the arizona state game and that's about as close as you can get to not winning a game that's about as close you can get to winning a game without winning it Mm -hmm. um because if they win that game it's even easier because then you're 18 and four and you've lost four games too you've only lost once on your home court and while oregon is not good it's still I suppose it's still Oregon, but yeah, it's not, it's not a horrendous loss. I didn't get, I got much closer to dropping Houston out than UCLA. I, I did mine. too. And they're 14th in the net. They did thoroughly outplay Arizona once, which has to, right. Coming out of that game, it was, well, maybe UCLA is going to find a way to hang in there. And maybe they really are the best team in the Pac 12 since we have learned otherwise. Mm-hmm. But they did, they did have that really good performance. They have the win over Villanova, which I personally put very little stock in, but it's still a win over Villanova. Yeah. So they do have they do have that going for them as well. Yeah, Houston. Now, in fairness to Houston, they did lose their quad one win last night. I yeah. don't know if you noticed this. Yeah. Kansas, it's all Kansas's fault. <laughs> Kansas beat Oklahoma State bad enough that Oklahoma State went from being a quad one win. To, they went from 48th to 52nd. And so yesterday, Houston had a quad one win. By the end of the year, they may get that quad one win back. Yeah. But they're not in a non-conference loss. This was Wisconsin and Alabama, which is not an issue of concern. And if they, if they run the table, then they're another team that this conversation becomes at least a little bit different, where I think they've got a real shot ending up as a three if they – get Memphis again in the AAC championship game. So they're two and one against Memphis. They win the conference outright, that kind of thing. The only reason they're here at this point is because they are 20 and four because they're winning. Yeah. They've won so many games. Right. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, yeah. And so. the other, the other thing that makes this. It's, just so, oh, it's not like they haven't played. It's not like that was their only quad one game. Here's, and that's the other right. thing. It's not that that was their only quad one game. And so they went from one and O to zero and zero. They went from one and three to O and three. So it's not like they, you know, it's a little different. I mean, it's, it's almost as bad as not playing any quad one games whatsoever, but in the other three quad one opportunities they had, they lost. So that's the other thing for me here too, is that, when they've played the best teams that they've played this year, they've lost to them. They have not looked particularly good for the most part either. Yeah. Right. And when you lose to Memphis, I lose a, lot, a good amount of respect for you this year, just that to be honest with you. Just a tough game. Yeah. The other thing that Houston has going against them is because I will continue to go to bat for these teams battling injuries, Illinois, Baylor, etc., where you can point to, and Wisconsin, to a certain extent, right, that Providence lost didn't have Johnny Davis. The only difference, though, is that Houston is not getting their injured guy back. Exactly. Houston is who Houston is at this point. Right. Yes, you probably Sorry to steal your, your thunder, by the way. No, you're, you're fine. That, right. That's what makes this difficult, is you might have lost your best two players. At least your best two scoring options. Mm-hmm. But you can't frame it as, well, they didn't have them for the – if they were coming back in a week, okay, you lost two games to the other two teams that are actually pretty good in your conference 
One of them was on the road. One of them, he turned the ball over 19 times. You didn't have your two go-to guys offensively. I can forgive that. Those guys aren't coming back. Mm -hmm. This is the Houston team that is going to show up in the NCAA tournament. Which puts more stock in those losses. And so you've got to sort of prove from this point forward if I'm a selection committee member that, and to the credit, this is exactly what they were doing until this past week. And we've talked about this before, right? Very quietly, they were just top five defense, continue to win, no issues whatsoever. And then they played the other good teams, as we saw in non-conference, where they, they just have a hard time showing up against the better teams they play. Mm-hmm. And so it begs the question, what would happen if this Houston team played in the Big East or the Big Ten or the Big 12, where you don't have the luxury of playing all of these, you know, 75 to 125 ranked teams in the net and Ken Palm all the time, where mm-hmm. SMU was the worst team in your conference, more or less. And you were playing the Wisconsin's of the world and the Alabama's of the world every single night. Mm-hmm. I will, the, the taking these teams that have these sparkling records and it goes to Houston football too. And, and Cincinnati football, I guess, more specifically, right. What happens if you put those teams in a power conference or a power conference team in their conference that has to matter in this conversation last year, Houston proved that Houston team was more than capable of being a top tier team in a power five conference. Mm -hmm. This year's team has not proved that yet and really won't get the opportunity until the NCAA tournament. So they need to take care of business between now and then so that this doesn't become even worse. Yep. That sounds about right. Who was the team closest to getting the last 16, the 16th spot? That was the other part of this is I didn't even, I didn't really have somebody to point to and say, I want that team. Right. I mean, probably Michigan state. The teams that, that I spent a little time looking at were Michigan state. Ohio State. Yeah. Ohio State because sort of in this in this group of other of other teams, you know, right? Ohio State four and five in quad one, six, you know, three and one in quad two, doesn't have a loss outside. Michigan State is similar with their four and four, six and two in quad two, no extra losses. Um that's that's probably where I would have gone next. Like before this week, Marquette would have been in that conversation. Yep. Being two, being under five hundred in quad two is tough. Um. I mean, Arkansas has a weird resume. Only two and four, but they're six and zero in quad two. But they they've managed to to take two quad three losses. But it was probably one of that one of those next. Big 10 teams, that's yeah. probably where I would have gone next. The other team I would throw in there is Alabama. Yep. I just have a personal issue putting that team in there. So I wouldn't have done it. But the metrics are going to love them because they've beaten all these great teams. Right. Whereas I point to, I don't know what team is coming up every single day when they take the court. Right. As a real negative. I, I, I think philosophically, and this is part of why I didn't want to try and guess the committee, because to me, it's much more fun to explain the things that you care about. Cause uh-huh. I just think I'm philosophically opposed or sort of at odds with the way the committee views things and the way the metrics work, mm-hmm. which is why I sometimes get frustrated. Cause to me, this is just more or less common sense. Of course, everybody has differing opinions because there are so many different things you can point to. Strength of schedule, quality wins, quality losses, where the losses happen, what the metrics say. You can spin this so many different ways about why one team should be ahead of another, which is what makes the conversation fun. Yep. Agreed. Anything else? I'm kind of ready for conference tournaments. Yeah, I'm I'm to the point where I'm fatigued by conference basketball there are a couple games left that i'm looking forward to um but we're certainly to the point where i'm like all righty 
Like Providence, Villanova tonight will be fun. Kentucky's at Tennessee tonight. Yep. That'll be fun. But you're getting to the point where like the midweek, I'm like, yeah, it's Saturday. You got Illinois, Michigan State. You got some good games. Alabama goes to Kentucky. It's not like we've run out of good games. No, I'm not just, at all. I'm just like I'm to the point where I'm I'd like to see teams play teams that they don't normally play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, a lot of it is okay. I I want to watch all of these games and see how the season progresses so that I can sort of draw my conclusions about teams and feel like I know how I feel about everybody heading to the NCAA tournament. So that mm-hmm. when we get to looking at a bracket. I can say I'm picking this team to win this game because of X, Y, Z. Even if 75% of the time, the logic is completely wrong. <laughs> right. I can talk. I like being able to talk myself into why I set my bracket up the way I did. Yep. I feel like I'm at that point. And so now it's just sort of getting to the finish line, who wins conferences, how do conference tournaments play out. And then, of course, we get to look at the bracket and have the fun. Yes, we do. Please, we'll be back on Thursday, by the way, later in the week. Please subscribe to the Jays for Days podcast, now podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Jays for Days pod. Check out the pod, being we'll be back at some point later this week. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. Peace, Josh. We will see you later.